Hey everyone, Sarah Peck here, and this is the Startup Pregnant Podcast. Hi everyone, I am so grateful that you are here listening. It means a lot to me that everybody is listening, and I've been getting so much feedback about this show. So today is a special episode. I want to talk about a couple of things. First, I just counted it up, and we have finished 25 of our interviews with all of these amazing women. The goal is to do 100 interviews with women about their experiences of motherhood, entrepreneurship, leadership, and business. And I wanted to go back and count, and we have finished 25 of them. So it seems like a great time to stop and take a little breather and just reflect. And second, life happens. So one of our core values is that we make a plan and then things don't always go according to plan. So this last month, I knew I would be traveling a whole bunch. I was out for two full weeks in March and uh, for a couple of reasons. First, my sister was having a baby. And then my partner and I decided to take our first grown-ups only, no children vacation. Uh, This was the first one since our kid was born. So yes, it was lovely. And yes, I highly recommend it. But I planned ahead. I've been getting ahead on the podcast episodes and editing, and I've had everything in the queue, and I had stuff planned out in advance. However, things don't go according to plan, and uh, lo and behold, I got behind. So this episode is just me this week. We'll be back with our interviews next week, and I want to talk about some of the things that I got to see and remember just by being around somebody who is right in that moment of giving birth. Welcome to the Startup Pregnant Podcast, where we talk to creative leaders about what it means to be an entrepreneur and a parent. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. As always, hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a minute to leave us a review, we would love that. If you need any of the show notes from the show, head to startuppregnant.com. So way back when, the reason I started this podcast... Because when I was pregnant a couple of years ago now, I was alone in a room full of mostly guys. Nobody else was pregnant. And there were very few conversations that were happening that had much to do with what I was going through. I found that I intensely craved other women and other parents. And I wanted people to talk to me about their experiences and tell me what it was like and talk to me about what they'd been through. And I wanted honest conversations. I wanted the truth, not this polished, oh, my belly is going to be perfect and it's going to be natural and I'm going to look great and look at this cute maternity outfit and my baby shower is great. Or that hush hush of like, we just won't talk about it. We don't, we don't talk about pregnant women. We don't talk about birth. Neither of those was that compelling to me. You know, I'm a data-driven, science-based, also just want to know the truth kind of person. And I wanted to know what the stories were and what actually happened, partly so I could plan ahead better and and understand what was going on. And also because I thought it was so strange that we weren't talking about it very much. And I wanted to hear lots of different versions. I realized in my quest for knowledge that I wanted to know everybody's experiences. Well, why was it this way for some people and this way for other people? And what was the range? And what was it like? So today I'm pausing for a moment to take this episode to share with you a little bit of the behinds of the scenes of this podcast and also talk about what I've learned 
over the last month. So this month, it's March uh, 2018 at the time of recording, I had a bunch of flights booked out to see my older sister. She was pregnant with her first kid. Actually, the due date was the end of February. And so I booked a week, a whole week to be out there. I live in New York City. She lives in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. And I chose to go out at her 41-week mark because I figured either I'd be there for the birth if the kid stayed around, stuck around a little bit longer, first-time babies. I think the average is 41 weeks, three days. So I figured either I'd time it great and I'd be there for the birth or I'd be there in the early days to help out with extra hands for breastfeeding and doing the dishes and helping her sleep and fending off visitors and all the work that goes into those early postpartum recovery days. Being there with her reminded me again of how much I'm glad that I'm doing this, what I'm doing. I'm still boggled that birth seems so hidden and so strange or that we somehow get inconvenienced in our work life by the arrival of kids. There's a story, there's this professional football player, he took a leave to miss one game in his professional season so that he could be there for his wife while she was giving birth. And all these fans were like, why didn't you schedule a C-section so you wouldn't miss a game? And he said something like, I'm sorry, I would like to be there for the birth of a human, the one that I am contributing to making. And it was just such a kind of revelation. It wasn't something that was done. And to me, it just speaks to this need or this there seems to be this idea that we think birth and human life is so inconvenient at times. Like we'd like to just organize it and put it all into boxes. And I have nothing against scheduling your birth and, and adding that convenience and making a, a C-section. Everybody has a different choice and a different body and a different way of doing what they need to do. I just think, and this is my opinion here, it seems like we keep being surprised that this thing, this birth keeps happening. It's like everyone seems so, oh my gosh, why is it happening? Like there's so many parts of it that are so surprising. And yet it's how we all got here. And it's going to keep happening. Like if we're lucky evolutionarily, if we're lucky, we're going to keep having babies and our species will continue to thrive. And yet somehow it keeps surprising us that we, that, oh, this is how babies are made. So I just find that a little bit comical because I think, especially when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and even leadership, one of the things, one of the ideas, one of the goals is that we learn from our experiences, that we gather data, that we gather information, that we make the best possible plans and strategies and predictions based on what we know. And yet there's this kind of like, oh, don't, but don't look at birth. Like, don't look at pregnancy because we can't even, we can't even consider adding that into the business realm. And I think taking a closer look, which is one of my goals with this podcast, can help us actually make more reasonable expectations and plans and and maybe even maybe even help us do business better because when i start to look at these things like well how do you schedule in a four week variation or a a due window instead of a due date or how do you plan for things that don't have specificity well that's a challenging skill and yet growing that skill and being able to do that might actually be really beneficial to all of us so that was one of the first things I observed while I was away this month. Number two, you don't have control. We can pretend to have control, but we don't. I planned and I planned. I planned all of these flights because I wanted to time it just right to go see my sister. And the logistics of it were a little bit nuts. And I only have one kid. And I'm in a partnership. I have all of these things working in my favor. And yet it was, it's really hard to plan. 
and I felt like this massive wizard planner because, well, I guess I'm sharing a little bit of extra detail here, but I had all my calendars out, all of my schedulers out. The first thing that I'm planning is I'm planning my ovulation cycles because my husband and I are going to try to have a second kid. Yay. And so I've got all my ovulation windows and putting that actually onto a Google calendar is pretty funny. So I I made a calendar event for seven days long for each of the estimated ovulation windows. And then I sent my husband this calendar invitation that just has a single heart on it so that it's not like too obvious to his work, but he knows what to expect. And then you have to be in person when you're trying to make a child. In many in many of the ways that you make a human, you need to you know be in the same room as your partner. Not always, but you know, for us, that's what we had to do. So I couldn't fly across the country during my ovulation windows. Second, I didn't want to be away from my kid for more than like five days, seven days felt like a long time. He's not quite two yet, and that would be kind of a long time. And then also there was my sister's due date, which is this like variable window. And you're just kind of estimating. So I had all these calendars out and I was trying to plan, when am I going to go? So I'm looking at all these moving pieces and kind of stabbing in the dark. And I pick, okay, 41 weeks, everything lines up. I can still be home to do the deed with my husband. And I can, you know, only miss this number of days with my kid. And it's over this weekend. And this is when the babysitter is coming. And and I'll probably be there maybe for the birth. Well, I spent a week with my sister helping plan and prep and taking a bazillion naps, but no baby. I was there from 41 weeks to 42 weeks. And just another example of what happens. We make a plan and then things don't go according to plan. So I turn around and I go back to New York City. And we've got a tight turnaround because I pushed my flights back so that I could stay with my sister a little bit longer. And I could only stay for so long because my husband and I had this vacation planned. We haven't taken a vacation since our kid was born and we wanted to take some time with each other. I get on a flight. We go to Palm Springs. I highly recommend it. And the baby boy arrives, 42 and a half weeks. And then we get these massive snowstorms back to New York City. Our flight gets delayed by three days, but we get rerouted through San Francisco, which is where my sister is. So I had this layover and I got to meet my nephew. And I wasn't, it wasn't planned. I didn't expect it, but I got this extra couple of days to go help and meet my nephew after all. So if I learned anything during this pregnancy and parenting journey, it's that trying to have control is kind of a losing game. The best I can really do is make a rough plan or a sketch or an estimation or a vision and then play like heck with the tools you've got and dance with what life offers you in response. The third thing that this month, helping out with babies and traveling and being in the thick of it again reminded me is that birth is really, really hard work. I still don't think we give enough attention to this. Birth is incredibly hard work. And I'm not sure if it's because we're afraid we're going to scare pregnant women or if it's just like not something you can hear. I couldn't hear it when I was pregnant. I just, I don't know if I could have handled how hard it was, but I also wish that someone had told me more clearly that I would be gearing up not for 
I don't know. It's hard to explain what to expect, but I, the best analogy I have is that it's like one of those college athletic events. I was a college swimmer and I wish someone had said, hey, you know how much prep work goes into you know preparing for that big final meet at the end of the year? It's kind of like that. You're gearing up for a really big athletic event and you need endurance and you need electrolytes and you need to be really strategic about sleeping or napping as much as you can. And it is a great idea to have a coach or a partner with you or somebody that's been through it before. Because I might have prepared even a little bit differently for my own birth. And my sister had a very long labor and delivery process, and it was exhausting. It's not a sprint. It can be slow and steady. And your body is doing an amazing amount of work. Like the effort required, all the muscles, all the systems, all the processes, it's just it's fabulous and it's cool and it's unilateral and it's focusing and it's messy and it's extraordinary. I just wish we knew. I wish more people talked about it or told me. And I wish we would honor it better, like this amazing thing that women are about to do. So in that same vein, number four, as a postpartum woman, um, as a parent, as a new parent with a newborn or a, any child that's joining your family, your job is to recover those first few weeks, God, I looked at my sister and I just wanted to tell her, your only job is to sleep and recover. Don't get out of bed. Don't try to clean the house. Don't try to host visitors. Don't try to get anything done. What a big thing it is that you've done. You've gone through this major, major hurdle physically. And there's so much happening inside of you that's processing and changing. Processing out the hormones, making the shift from pregnant to breastfeeding, or momming, or parenting. It's just such a radical shift. Your pelvic floor muscles are like recovering, even just the beginning of recovery from like not even the birth itself, but just the act of carrying around all that weight has stressed your muscles for a long time. The relaxin has loosened your joints. There's just so much recovery that's happening. And you're undergoing this incredibly steep learning curve of becoming a mom or becoming a parent all the while doing it through a time of sleep deprivation. And this learning curve is hard. I wish people knew. I think one of the biggest challenges for me personally was there comes a point if you're in your late 20s or mid 30s, hopefully, that you start having some agency over feeling like you're good at things. You know, you might have hit a stride in your job. You might have hit a stride with your athletic training. Maybe you're a really good cook. But you have developed certain skill sets that you're great at. And it doesn't necessarily translate into this brand new skill that you're being tasked with. And to me, it could be maddening and frustrating because you're trying to do this new thing. You're trying to learn everything from scratch. And you might just be really bad at it in the beginning. And there's all this BS out there about it being natural and normal. And, you know, for women in particular, it's your manifest destiny. Of course, you were meant to be a mom. And for me, it's, it was just this, this cluster of like... Breastfeeding, what? Like, how does this work? So, overall, I just wish someone had told me to lie down more. Your only job right now is to recover. It's a long game, it's a slow game. And in the beginning, you don't have to be a superhero. Number four, mm, I think I'm on number five. <laughs> number five, breastfeeding is so hard. I, I'm sure there are many people out there for whom it was not hard, and that is wonderful. For me and watching other people, I wish it were more common that 
breastfeeding is a tremendous amount of work, whether or not it comes easily to you. In the beginning, you're doing it for six to nine hours a day in between patches of sleep. It taught me patience And that was not an easy lesson to learn, and I'm still learning it, and resilience. And it's one of those deceptive things that looks so much easier from the outside when you're just watching. And it's so easy to assume it'll be easy for you or that the people who are saying it's hard are like the exception to kind of write that off and say, oh, yeah, some people have told me it's going to be hard and not to worry about it. And I think there's a lot of reasons why I think it's especially hard, especially for women of today's era, because it just – there's – I don't know – The patience and the dedication it takes is huge to have this singular unilateral focus, to be stuck in many ways behind a baby or behind a pump. It took a long time for me to learn how to do it, probably six weeks to truly learn how to do it and about 10 weeks before I was comfortable doing it. And then I had about six months of what I jokingly referred to as the tether, which is you always have to be close to a pump or a baby because you're doing it every three hours. And It is hard to wrap your head around what it means to do something every three hours, but it shifts so much of your day and your schedule. You can't just travel or go out to a zillion meetings or be zipping from one thing to the next or booking back-to-back meetings in the afternoon for six hours. You have to plan in a break period. And if that's not your usual or you're a traveling worker or you're a consultant or you're a flying salesperson, it can be really hard. Once I hit the six-month mark and I got comfortable with a manual pump, a hand pump, I was actually pumping out in public, which I don't know if that violates a lot of HR rules, but I'd have a big loose t-shirt on and I would be at retreats or conferences and I would just stick my pump under my shirt, the manual pump, pull my bra down and I would pump one side while I was listening to a speaker and then I'd switch to the other side and I would pump. And most of the time, nobody even knew that I was doing it. Uh, And then I would slide the pump out of my shirt and I would then somebody would notice, They're like, what are you doing? And usually, luckily, I would be friends with my, the people next to me. And I would pour the milk into a bag and I would keep an iced mini cooler just down by my feet, one of those small, tiny, like four by six coolers. And I would just do it where I was. And then the next scheduled break for the conference, I would run out to the bathroom or the kitchen or the sink and just do a hand wash of the manual pump. So I'd give it a hard rinse and then I'd stick it on ice as well so it wouldn't be growing any bacteria. So it was I don't know, mostly sanitary. Like I'm not following sterilization procedures here, but I was doing enough that needed to be done. And and even that was like a kind of a logistical hurdle and just something that's not thought about at all. Because you go to a conference and you have to go into a bathroom stall where there's all this like toilet back flush flowing through the air. And sometimes there's only two stalls and people are knocking on the door to try to get you out because it doesn't happen in two minutes. It takes 20 to 30 minutes to do pumping. So I got good enough that I started just doing it. And then I was even leading retreats while I had like a pump under my hand and people thought it was quite hysterical. But all of this is to say it's a tremendous amount of work and devotion And I think the stories of how painful it can be or how hard it can be or what a learning curve it can be, or even just how there might be not that much support for you wherever you are, whether it's the like ethos in the air or the condescension or family members that don't get it or a not supportive work environment. It doesn't have to be actively hostile for it to be extra challenging. And I think this... Even that expectation that it's natural or easy can make it really hard on people for whom it's not. So the irony or the reality of this is that I got into plane delays and schedule delays and babies arriving at different times, and I got to be 
very close to the subject matter at hand, which is everything from planning ovulation cycles to trying to get pregnant again to being there or not quite there for my sister's birth to meeting my new little nephew means that despite my diligence in planning ahead for this podcast, I got four episodes released and this week's episode was a special episode that I wasn't expecting. But I'm so grateful to be able to record it because these things are fresh on my mind and I love having these conversations. Being in the thick of it again reminds me how much I want to be in conversation with you about each of these things. So I hope today's episode was helpful and useful. I know that many of you have written in saying that you are pregnant or you're getting pregnant and these are all questions that you have. So being back there and looking through and thinking about it reminded me that life happens, that we can shift business to better fit this kind of cycle and process rather than trying to stuff pregnancy into business. What if business could benefit? That surrounding yourself with women can be tremendous, tremendously helpful. That we don't have control. We make plans and things don't go according to plans. That birth is hard work. That in those early, early days, your only job is to recover. And that it's okay if some things are super hard. Breastfeeding for me was really, really hard. I don't wish for it to be hard for you. I wish that it's going to be blissful and easy for you, every part of it. But you know, sometimes it's helpful to know that birth can be hard, that breastfeeding can be hard, that sleep deprivation is real, and that these are all things that we can plan for and mitigate against if we have honest conversations about them. Thank you so much for being a listener of the show. A few more things before we end this episode. First, if you know of a woman or a friend that would benefit from this show, send them a link to our website at startuppregnant.com. So many of you have already reached out and shared your stories, what this podcast is doing for you. And for that, I am so grateful. So if you know of somebody that would love to listen in, or you think that these stories would really hit at home for somebody, feel free to send it along. Second, if you've got a story that you need to share or tell, head over to startuppregnant.com and send us a note. We have had so much reader mail already, and your stories mean the world to us. We are proudly listener-sponsored, so if you want to sponsor the show and hear more episodes, head over to our Patreon page and you can buy us a cup of coffee or two or three. We'll take many cups of coffee. If you want any of the show notes or links from this particular episode, all of the references and tools and tips that we talk about are always posted on StartupPregnant.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you on the next episode.